JVC blasts into 1994 with big-name excitement for the Sega CD and the Super NES. Building on JVC's established reputation for blockbuster titles and cutting-edge gameplay. In 1994, gamers will earn their wings in the ultimate space adventure, Star Wars. Rebel Assault for Sega CD packs all the action and intrigue you expect from a JVC Star Wars game, plus cinematic sequences from the movies as well as original footage. A dozen missions call for your cunning, your wit, and your quick response time. Feel the force as you learn to pilot four completely different spacecraft in the name of the Rebel Alliance. Digitized speech from the movies. To report, Commander. We have them, Lord Vader. Within moments, our troops will board their ship. We'll then have the stolen plans back in our possession. And an original John Williams score performed by the London Symphony Orchestra. Make Rebel Assault, an unforgettable deep space epic gamers will return to again and again as they face the Imperial forces and save the universe from the ruthless Emperor. Brick 5, I'm going in. Star Wars fans and move milkers everywhere. Welcome to episode number 80 of Blast Points. This is Jason. This is Gabe. And I don't know if you know it out there in listener world, but there was in 1995 a Lucasfilm authorized Star Wars, not really a movie, but like live action Star Wars going on in 1995. Kind of like a fan film, but (laughs) official. A fancy fan film? A fancy film? A fancy film? (laughs) What? But we're going to be getting into that later. But first, there's some news. Probably the most important news, George Lucas is very grumpy. George Lucas! And you say, well, you know, there's more to it than that. You can't just go out and do spaceships. He's the older he gets, the more amazing he gets. I hope he lives forever because it's like he just keeps getting better and better. <laughs> so he should be happy because he was in Los Angeles with his wife, Melody Hobson. Last Tuesday, they spoke to the Los Angeles City Council and they got the approval to build the Museum of Narrative Art there. It's going to be a $1 billion project and groundbreaking is going to start early next year. It's going to be built for built for 36 months and opens sometime in 2021. But 
the night before all that happened, he was spotted. Like, what is he doing? Is he like, it looked like he was like coming out of somebody's backyard. I thought they said he was at a restaurant and he was leaving through the back door, maybe. Because uh-huh. that's, you know, when you're George Lucas, you got to leave through the back door to the alley. And on his way to his car, yeah, he there was people standing around to get autographs. I thought at first he was like wandering through the fence in somebody's backyard and he was just a wild Lucas lost. <laughs> maybe. There's just packs of people with uh, Empire posters wandering the streets looking for wild Lucas. <laughs> And also, it made me, because I was like, man, I wish I lived in Los Angeles, because somehow somebody knew where George Lucas was going to be. Like, if somebody told me, hey, 30 minutes, George Lucas is going to be outside this restaurant, I'd be like, dude, I am on my way. Yeah, L.A. is much better than that, because he's in Chicago all the time, and no one's ever like, George Lucas is at Starbucks. (laughs) You got 20 minutes to get there. You would do it. Totally. (laughs) I just stand, tie my shoe in front of the door for 20 minutes, waiting. <laughs> he was so grumpy, signing pictures. At one point, he's like, Dude, this guy needs to get a job. These aren't fans, they're, they're scalpers. You know, this $200 a signature, so why don't you just go out and get a job? There you go, Mr. Lucas. $200 a signature, go get a job. Could, yeah, these George, people are here to make money. They're not here, they're not fans, they don't care. They just want to make money. <laughs> but you, that's the thing, right? You got to love Lucas, because... He's old and he's grumpy and he's giving those guys a hard time about being scalpers and selling his autographs. But he still gave him autographs. Yeah. You know, like he's still being pretty accommodating. He signed like five things for that one guy before he told him to get a job. So he still got the heart. Like the interviewer is like, uh, well, what do you what do you think about Ron Howard? Mr. Lucas, how do you think Ron Howard would do directing the Han Solo movie, sir? I think he'll be great. I don't care. That's awesome. Any yeah. suggestions for him? Nope. <laughs> Not my job. But man, the whole that whole thing with the museum, like I'm really happy that it's happening somewhere. I'm still really mad at Chicago for messing that up. But I was thinking how much we're living in like Bizarro World, where like we talked about last week, where Lucas Lucasfilm like is now like firing directors because. They don't like their vision. And now George Lucas is opening a museum in L.A., which he traditionally, like his whole life, hated L.A. and wanted <laughs> yeah. to be as, as far away from L.A. as possible. And now he's opening his, you know, namesake museum there. So we've the world's completely flipped upside down. Just I just don't care anymore. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, hopefully we get another like 30 years of old man Lucas putting smiles on the kids faces. <laughs> He should have a YouTube channel. He should just check in. Hey, got some new white shoes today. <laughs> Putting them on. So like a live call-in show. Ask Lucas. I'd never leave the house. <laughs> like my phone, my phone bill would be so much. Hey George, like my garbage disposal stopped working. Um, Not my job. Press the. There's a little button on the bottom. Press that. It might work again. Yeah. Thanks, George. But it's not my job. Why don't you just ask Darth Vader's grandchildren? (laughs) Ask JJ. That guy knows all the answers. (laughs) JJ, what happened to Darth Vader's grandchildren? So everybody was so crazy the last week with Han Solo stuff, and kind of still are. Like People still can't stop talking about it. People kind of forget that The Last Jedi is coming. It's coming soon. Last Jedi is going to start getting hot. 
And we're starting to learn that some Last Jedi stuff is coming sooner than later, probably. If we're lucky. Good. Bravo. Beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Last Jedi. Yeah, because what? There's D23, the Disney Con, coming up, and then what? The week after that, San Diego, right? So. Mm-hmm. If we know anything from the past, we'll be really excited for what we're going to see at D twenty two D twenty three, and then we'll get nothing. <laughs> but then they'll <laughs> then they'll surprise us some random Tuesday with a bunch of uh, pictures or something. Yeah. So it says on Saturday, July fifteenth at ten thirty a.m. There's Disney Marvel Studios and Lucasfilm panel thing at D23 and it's a presentation featuring never before seen footage, surprise star appearances and more. You'll get a behind the scenes glimpse at an exciting array of spectacular films on the horizon from these world class studios. So, I feel like we've been down this road before and everyone, ooh, Saturday we're going to get something and we get absolutely nothing. Yeah, and then we'll get the Olympics at 11:30 at night. <laughs> I almost forgot about the Olympics. Never never forget the hours of watching swimming. For so much swimming. You almost gave up. You almost went to bed. I know. I, I almost I think I blacked out a little bit too. <laughs> like I think I'm drowning. My whole family was sitting around just waiting for the Rogue One preview. Everyone well, I'm going to bed. I was the the only one left. I was like, maybe I should go make a cup of coffee. Because it's one in the morning, and there's still no Rogue One preview. Yeah. There isn't even a preview for the preview. No. I don't even, yeah. Was it a couple weeks ago, there was the thing that, like, the British tr- classification something or other, cl- like, classified a new Last Jedi preview that somehow was shorter than the last preview? And, it, again, I feel like we've been down that road before. <laughs> So, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully we'll get out of those two weekends of conventions. We'll we'll get something, some some still shots or behind-the-scenes clip. I don't know. Behind-the-scenes would be cool. I mean, that's essentially what we got last summer out of uh, Celebration Europe. We got the famous sizzle reel. I think at this point it's almost more fun to see the behind-the-scenes stuff than an actual trailer. Because I feel like you can kind of see more without really giving away the movie. Yeah, remember that behind-the-scenes thing for The Force Awakens? That blew our minds. A real desert. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, no way they're not going to a real desert. People should be happy we weren't even doing the podcast back then. Because, honestly, it would have been 45 minutes of us screaming and then passing out. (gasps) Yep, because we got that. And then I think the sizzle reel, yeah, from Celebration Europe was like... We got the Mon Calamari guys. We got oh. more off. We really got all the important parts of Rogue One. We got Bistan. Mm. And Pa was in there, too. It was mm-hmm. like, really? And we had to see the picture of Gareth Edwards and George Lucas on a golf cart. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would I would much prefer that, I think, than a new trailer at this point. Well, hopefully it's on the horizon. Hopefully more Last Jedi stuff is coming soon, which I wouldn't be surprised just to get everyone to stop talking about Han Solo. <laughs> They're like, hey, don't forget about this other movie that, you know, is actually coming out and is like yeah. finished or something. Yeah. Yeah. This one didn't have any problems. Just think about <laughs> this one.
So speaking of stuff coming out, last week the preview for Forces of Destiny came out. And by the time this episode comes out, I think there'll be two whole little episodes that have come out on YouTube by now, I think. I think so, yeah. And this is one of those opportunities that's, I think, different than what we're used to is the trailer comes out, you know, a week before we get to start seeing it. So it's not like we have two years of (laughs) waiting. (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of crazy because, like, that trailer came out. And it was like, oh, and then at the end, it's like starts July 3rd. And I was like, wait, wait, that's like Monday. BB-8, hang on. Turns out you're quite a popular droid. We got to see some wicked action. Oh, man. Which everyone was waiting for. Jin Erso <laughs> throwing space fruit at a stormtrooper, which I was waiting for. That. I suggest you pick on someone your own size. Force trees. Yeah, let, wait, let's talk about the force tree. Because at first I freaked out and I was like, oh my God, Luke Skywalker and a force tree. And it makes no sense. Because it's like, it's Luke and Yoda looking at the force tree. Doesn't make any sense, but I'm like, maybe it's like a force vision or something. But I think the thing about it that's even better, though, is I don't even think it crossed my mind that Anakin would be in any of these. I mean, Ahsoka was in it, so maybe that makes sense, but I think there's going to be a lot of surprises of, of the characters that show up in these. It didn't really hit me till I watched the trailer just how cool it is to have the the real voice voices, too. Like, hearing Rey as Rey and Jin as Jin is just mm-hmm. really, really cool. How did I find you? I'm just lucky, I guess. I love Padme fighting, like, a Zam Weasel thing person in Padme's apartment. From Attack of the Clones. They know what, what the kids like. <laughs> Leia fighting a Wampa. Multiple Ewoks. Sabine and Leia being best buddies. The data tape of Imperial base locations. Thank you, Senator. I mean, Princess. I mean, Leia. I think the show looks great. Some people have been dogging on the animation style now that we're kind of seeing a lot more. What I mean, what do you think? What, what's your opinion? It's it's interesting that this came out the week after we rewatched Clone War, Gendy Clone Wars, because if you compare it to that, it's pretty weak. It's weird, though, because some of some shots look better than others, and it definitely has a new style, which is cool. But I mean, it definitely has a style and I'm excited to watch it. But compared to previous stuff, it does look a little it's much more simple than what we're used to for Star Wars animation. I don't know if it's the intention, but. I kind of dig it because to me it reminds me of like an episode of like Challenge of the Super Friends or something. Yeah. Where it's got like a kind of 70s Hanna-Barbera kind of style to it, you know. And I don't know, part of me, I'm just like, man, I'm really kind of into how ridiculously simple this is. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think it'll be it'll be easier. I mean, we really can't make any judgment until you see a full episode kind of pan out because it's kind of hard to tell how everything's going to flow together. It could be like a stick figure of Anakin and Yoda. And if they're talking some, uh, some forest tree stuff or, you know, Leia saving Wicket from like a stormtrooper trap in a tree, it could be done with yeah. crayons. And I'd be like, this is the best thing I've ever seen, everybody. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm going to no, go. You're right. I'm going to go right forces of destiny on my chest and run down the street. Well, it could be something, too, that it's like, you know, maybe they wanted to spend the resources on getting the actual actors, which 
is a is a different take. So I think, you know, like you said, if it's Crayons, but it's actually Daisy Ridley, then maybe that's the way to go. Yeah. Instead of having it look really elaborate and have bootleg Daisy Ridley. I don't know if they if they bring in Kenobi, you know, we know who they can call. Yeah, that's true. They can get we got a real cheap Kenobi. <laughs> they can pay me in a peanut butter sandwich. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'm ready to go. Hello. <laughs> I know all about waiting <laughs> for my family. Did they say what the first two episodes are going to be? Which characters those are? Uh, I'm going to I think the first one is Ray. Because I think that's the one they showed at the the panel we mm. didn't go to at Celebration. And I think they said that was going to be the first one. But I could be wrong. I'm not sure. I don't know. This episode will come out after it comes on. So, <laughs> yeah, so we'll sound like even more idiots than we usually do. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the second one is uh, is Padme with the knockdown drag out fight in her apartment. I think so. Because, you know, if if it's Padme and they're on Coruscant and they're in her apartment there's a really good chance that Typho's going to show up. Oh, I remember to watch out Typho fever. Mm -hmm. So take a bunch of vitamins and antibiotics and just get your body ready. Open up all the windows, air it out. Typho fever is (laughs) coming. Sleep under a mosquito net. (laughs) So yeah, we'll find out, but yeah, I'm excited. And well, and then we've been seeing the pictures of the toys too. So it's all, I'll get getting raring to go. I know I'm going to get one of those Ahsokas for my daughter, and uh, there's going to be a lot of time where she's like, Dad, let me play with it. Or I'm just going to be like, look at this, how cool this is. The choices we make. The actions we take. Shape us into forces of destiny. Continuing coverage of the weird era that is Star Wars in the early 1990s, there's the very strange, almost forgotten Rebel Assault video games. And especially Rebel Assault 2, which like we were saying at the top of the episode, featured live action Star Wars footage in 1995. But before we get into Rebel Assault 2, let's just do a little background on Rebel Assault 1. Yeah, tell me all about it. Rebel Assault 1, going back. I missed these games when they came out originally, but... How did we miss these? I don't know. Rebel Assault 1 was only on the PC. I guess it was on Sega CD, which I didn't have, or the 3DO. Yeah, I don't know. We missed this. And then the other one was on PlayStation, and we had a PlayStation. And we were, like, I remember renting games, like, every other day, because it was like the PlayStation had just come out, and we were renting everything that came out. I had Masters of Terakai. And yeah. I I played that like a maniac. 
And I was, mm-hmm. I still champion that game, even though it's horrible. Yeah, and we were playing Shadows of the Empire on the N64, so somehow, yeah, we totally missed the Rebel Assault games. <laughs> um, but yeah, the first one came out in 93. It was, you know, that was the whole era of CD-ROMs were out, and you would have, like, full motion video. And in Rebel Assault 1's case, it was, like, computer-generated video, kind of more old-school, traditional video game-looking stuff. But the cutscenes they did have are pretty pretty outrageous because a lot of them are still frames. And because of the limitations, they only animate, like, the lips and the eyes. So <laughs> they're really surreal-looking. And the game basically kind of recreates the original movie, but in, there's no original movie characters. So instead of Luke is the uh, rookie one character who basically does everything Luke would do and blows up the Death Star at the end. So Luke doesn't blow up the Death Star? No, I think Ricky one does. <laughs> and you go to Hoth in the middle of the of the game, too. So it's like this weird mix of Star Wars and Empire that doesn't have, I think, any of the main characters other than Darth Vader in it. Good. There's a couple scenes, too, that are actually video from the movie done in a way that they didn't have to use, like, all the film frames. So there's, like, the background won't move and just, like, 3PO's legs will kind of walk through the scene. And they're saying the lines from the movie, but it's some other 3PO voice. R2-D2, where are you going? Secret mission? What plans? I'm not getting in there. It's restricted. Oh, I'm going to regret it. So they didn't have to pay Anthony Daniels. Yeah, so it's this really weird, like, it's almost like Turkish Star Wars the video game or something, where it's Star Wars, but it's not Star Wars. (laughs) But, yeah, so that one was pretty cool. But then, you know, they had to follow it up with the sequel, where things get really weird. Yeah, so the the Stormtrooper armor, the weapons, the helmets, like the spacesuits, everything was worn by real actors— in a Star Wars setting, and everything was taken from the Lucasfilm archives. So the director of all the live-action footage on Rebel Assault 2 was this guy, Hal Barwood, who, if that name sounds familiar, he's an old USC buddy of George Lucas and Walter Murch and John Milius and all those guys. And Hal Barwood wrote... The Sugarland Express. He wrote Corvette Summer, which starred Mark Hamill. Um, he wrote Dragon Slayer. Later, he went on to do all the Indiana Jones like point and click games for LucasArts, like Fate of Atlantis and all those games. But he also like Ghost Road didn't get credit for, but did a did a polish on the Close Encounters of the Third Kind screenplay for Spielberg. Wow, he was around. Yeah. He must have wrote this, like, or directed this uh, over a weekend or something. (laughs) (laughs) But it's interesting. So I was emailing, I emailed Hal Barwood today and asked him a bunch of questions about the game. And he was super kind enough to write me back. I asked him, how was the decision made to use the original costumes and props? And what was it like gathering that kind of stuff up? And he said this guy, Vince Lee, was the project leader. And he was just kind of hired to direct the live live action footage. And this guy, Vince Lee, had developed a video codec, very advanced for its time. And they were thinking the way to exploit this video codec was to do this game with actual video footage. Which, I don't know, Gabe, like you might know, is would this have been one of the first games to do cutscenes with actual video footage? 
it definitely that was the time frame like when CD-ROMs are out, so you had enough storage for that stuff because that's kind of like the 3DO and I think the CDI systems that came out. That was kind of most of the games were just yeah, like full motion video footage. So yeah, I don't know which one was the first though. But it was definitely in the first wave of that stuff. Like that that was that what was hot then. Well, and it's it's kind of interesting because like in Rebel Rebel Assault Two, there's not one actual set everything is 100 percent digital and what's cool with that is that looking back it's like that's what you know mark hamill was talking about in the qvc thing about george lucas telling him what the future was and we now know that that's ultimately what led to how they did the prequels which led to basically how any movie is made today right i mean this was kind of pushing the boundaries of what you could do and using uh which is i think a very lucas thing due to have lucas arts kind of do some of this R&D stuff that'll ultimately end up in the film production. Yeah, I was asking him about that, and he said they all they had when they were filming is they had a computer on the set that could superimpose their live footage with the pre-made digital backgrounds. And he said they synced up the perspectives by tweaking the camera placement, its height, its field of view on the fly, and just eyeballing dry runs with the actors. Which is crazy. They were You can kind of tell when you watch it, but they were just making it up as they go. Yeah, that's crazy to think. Yeah, and they, that, you know, that's completely potentially backwards to how we would do it these days, right? Where they basically, they had the background plates first and then they tried to get the actors to fit in them as opposed to filming the actors and then going back and making the backgrounds to match what they had shot. And I, I asked him, was the footage like filmed at like ILM, you know, where they were working on this kind of stuff? And he said it was filmed on a small sound sound stage in I think I'm going to try and pronounce this right Marin County and he says it was used now and then for TV cooking and sports chatter shows and they picked that over the Lucasfilm facilities because it was cheaper but yeah it stars this guy Jameson Jones plays rookie 1 he was in Radioland Murders Wow. Which is crazy because I found an old interview with Jameson Jones, and it was kind of sad because he talks about how he wrote a personal letter to George Lucas asking to be in the prequels because of his involvement in uh, Rebel Assault 2, and he never heard back. Oh, I know. That's sad. But it's interesting because even like Hal Barwood in his email to me back, he said uh, he thought it was interesting that we were doing an episode about this forgotten game. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing remains forgotten for too long. <laughs> Not if we can help it. Like this footage that's out there of the cutscenes, it's crazy to watch it straight through because it tells like this like nonsense Star Wars story that I was thinking when I was watching it, it plays like a if there was a Star Wars TV show made in 1995. Yeah, this is it. This is what it would have been, yeah. Yeah, this is the pilot episode of the <laughs> 1990s TV show, yeah. I will say, though, the other cool thing with these games, though, is, like, I had forgotten. I actually have this game now on the PC because over the last few years, uh, now that LucasArts is kind of gone, the old classic games have been being re-released, and, like, a lot of PC players use Steam to get their games, and Steam has all these games. Um, I got it when I think it was one of the, there's the humble bundle thing where, you know, they'll give you like 20 old games for like $15 and I bought all of these. So if, if anyone, you know, listening wants to play this again and they haven't, like it's really easy to get, it runs on through steam on a modern PC and it's 
the gameplay fits in with the the cinematic, so it is kind of like just playing a little episode of the Star Wars '90s TV show. Now, you tried to play some levels of both Rebel Assault One and Two just earlier tonight. How did that go? I wasn't able <laughs> to get Rebel Assault One to work so well. I was playing on the a computer that I have uh, that doesn't have a mouse hooked up, so I was trying to play with like a touchpad thing. Yeah, it, it didn't work so well. But Rebel Assault <laughs> Two, Rebel Assault Two worked out pretty well. I was having fun playing that, so I'm probably going to play through the through the game again because it's. A, I think it's a pretty short game because I played for about 20 minutes and I was about want to say a quarter of the way through the story. So oh wow, but yeah, the whole time I was like, man, how did we not play this on PlayStation when it came out? I was ash- when I read that it came out for PlayStation, I was ashamed. I wanted to go back in time. Yeah, and ask and you- myself. How did you miss this? I wouldn't even have asked myself. I just would have probably slapped myself in the face <laughs> and said, you can do better. Because it is cool because, like, a lot of the gameplay is, you know, you as rookie one, you know, hiding behind things and jumping out and shooting. But because that's the same – done using the same footage as the cutscenes, it does kind of feel like you're just playing a little scene in the movie. So as old and rough as it is, it's it's all integrated pretty well. So let's talk about some of the footage. Let's talk about some highlights in the amazing Rebel Assault 2 live-action Star Wars footage. It starts out with a, with, a, with a crawl that's super pixelated and kind of hard to read. And in 4-3 aspect ratio, <laughs> which makes it even harder to read. Some kind of nonsense that the Empire has another secret weapon. This takes place right after A New Hope, I think, right? Maybe? Well, this takes place after Rebel Assault 1 New Hope, which doesn't have any of the main characters. It has Ricky 1 blew up the Death Star. Take that Luke Skywalker out. We don't need him. Yeah. There's no Force. There's just, there's Vader. There's Imperial officers. And then, yeah, this starts right afterwards. (laughs) Vader's vowed to get his revenge on Ricky 1. skip the the opening shot where there's basically boots talking to each other <laughs> you wanted to speak with me Admiral. ah yes tell your men i want no slip-ups this time the demonstration shall proceed flawlessly am i understood yes of course sir they'll be ready good carry on i don't remember the last time i i watched anything start with just two pairs of boots chit-chatting and these boots were made for talking <laughs> But yeah, then we get to see... No, it starts with X-Wings, doesn't it? It starts with X-Wings. Well, I guess first it starts with Vader being angry. The rebel fighters are in range, my lord. Sigma Squadron stands ready, awaiting your command. Very well, Admiral. Engage the rebels. But it's X-Wings. X-Wings that look like they're backing up. Yeah, I was a little confused. (laughs) They're like, they're learning how to parallel park in their (laughs) X-Wings. Um, but they're X-Wings with B-Wing pilots in them. I was giving it the benefit of the doubt. It's like, well, you know, maybe they had somebody just going through the archives and they're like, I don't know, it's a helmet. It's Star yeah, well, Wars helmet. And they're, the, you know, they're rebels. Maybe that's all they had. This squadron, they, they had X-Wings, but they only had B-Wing flight suits. So it's totally, totally acceptable. Okay. Yeah, it's true. So, it's weird, but it's acceptable. <laughs> 
that Gender patrol doesn't seem to be anything out here I think this sector's secure let's take one more pass and get back to base I hear you and let's make it quick I don't want to stay out here a second longer than necessary what's the matter Till don't tell me a hot shot pilot like you is afraid of the dry time so like one of the like a, a B-wing gets a message like from a Corellian f- freighter, right? Well, first the X-wings blow up by some secret. You don't know what it is. The ghost, something's blowing up the X-wings. Oh yeah, yeah. And then the Imperial officer is like, Vader, this is great. And Vader's like, I don't have patience for you. <laughs> and then there's B-wings, and the same thing happens to the B-wings. But they get the yeah. What were you saying? They get the message from uh, I think it's Poe Dameron, right? Yeah, I think it's yeah, it's Poe Dameron. It could be Poe Dameron's uh, cousin, uh, Mo Mo Dameron, maybe uh, Mo pa- Mo Pameron. <laughs> it kind of looks like uh, David Schwimmer from Friends. He he sends a message to the from his Corellian freighter, freighter, and it it crashes on a blue screen planet. Yeah, and it's not the Millennium Falcon. No. It might look like it, but it's not. It's, it's a different an, ship. It's a Corellian freighter, but no, don't get confused. Can't make it out, Commander. Hailing vessel, repeat your message. We read you, but you're breaking up. Repeat. This cargo vessel, Corellia Star. We are from the I was I was confused during all this part because then like rebel guy he like sneaks on to like an imperial base on the blue screen planet and it's kind of like Rogue One. Yeah, because basically I I played through that part today, so it's like he gets shot down and then his buddy blows up and he crashes on the planet and then he basically has to break into the base to get a ship to escape and to get the, the secret message. But this this isn't Rookie One. Or is it? Is this Rookie One? Yes, that's Rookie One who crashes. I'm pretty okay. sure. So then he's running. He sneaks into this this rebel the, or this imperial base. Kind of looks like Rogue One. He's running around in there, yeah, hiding behind walls, hiding behind pillars. Yeah, and then he escapes in the the bootleg, not Millennium Falcon, Millennium Falcon. And the uh, the Imperials know he's trying to escape, so they close the door. So he turns the other way and like sneaks through the. The like ventilation shafts, um, which that's the that's the part of the game. You had to fly through those caves, and I just kept crashing into the walls, and I had to stop. So <laughs> I I couldn't do it. So then the next thing you know, surprise, surprise! Everybody, hold on to your butts. Here comes Akbar. We have recovered the mission recorders from the Corellian cargo vessel. We can now replay the full distress message sent from its pilot during the attack. If you'll observe. Because it's not Star Wars without Akbar. I it's almost. Not a, it's not a fan film without Akbar. <laughs> I almost died when Bootleg Akbar came out. And we were a little confused before we started recording on what the status of this Akbar footage is. Yeah, because it's definitely not Akbar's voice. But it could be Akbar footage from the films that they painted out the background and superimposed it in front of this new stuff. <laughs> and he's, but we're not. But we're not sure. He's, and he's talking to like six rebel pilots. That's all the Rebel Alliance has in this alternate Star Wars timeline. Yeah. Well, this is you know before Jedi when they everybody had to come together for the second Death Star. So it's like rebels. It's all they got. It's a little group. Yeah. It's a little group. Yeah. Yeah if, any, yeah, if anything, this is like a live-action Rebels cartoon. 
and and rookie one is Ezra without the force. <laughs> I may like rookie one more than Ezra. <laughs> We've discovered information that's vital to the alliance. The Empire has a hidden mining facility in the belt of Vara. They're processing iridium ore to fuel some new weapon. Whatever it is, Darth Vader intends to use it to destroy the Alliance. Hurry, Rebel Patrol, we haven't much time. They're boarding us. Ah! I was thinking that they almost should have called Rogue One Rookie One since it's like the first the first standalone. Well, it, could have, it could have been Rookie One. Speaking of squad names, kind of shortly after that, we're introduced to possibly the best squadron in all the Rebel Alliance, the Rascal Squadron, yeah. <laughs> with, with their leader, Rascal One. Yeah. Right team. This is Rascal 1. Check in. Rascal 2, standing by. Rascal 3, standing by. Good. Keep information. The perimeter is littered with Aurelium mines. <laughs> He's a rebel among rebels. Oh, also known as Grandpa 1. I hope if they do ever make a Rogue One sequel called Rascal 1. That's what Lord and Miller were doing. They were doing some, yeah. some rascaling. Yeah, they had Commander ODR, Old Dirty Rascal. <laughs> Just doing my job. Besides, I try not to litter. So what's going on after that? What's going on after Rascal Squadron? I, I kind of lost consciousness for a little bit after <laughs> Rascal shows up. I think that's when they find uh, the ships that can cloak. Yeah, which right? then, yeah, the, the, the Phantom Ties, which later show up on Rebels. Yeah, a variation on those. So, yeah, this really is like live-action Rebels. You know Pablo Hidalgo and Leland Chi were playing the crap out of this game in the mid-'90s. Somewhere there was a story meeting, and the two of them were just looking at each other, nodding, <laughs> thinking about <laughs> Phantom Ties and what, what elements from Rebel Assault 2 can they bring into Rebels. Well, hopefully next season has... Uh Rascal, Rascal <gasps> Squadron in it because it's their last chance. <laughs> Unless that's why they're ending Rebels because they're like, okay, our next show is going to be Star Wars Rascals. <laughs> it's going to be all about Rascal Squadron. <laughs> but yeah, they pretty much, I think they find the base, they follow the ship back or something and they find the base that makes these cloak fighters. There's a part where they're like, they're teaching Jameson Jones as Rookie One how to fly a TIE fighter. But what are those helmets that they're wearing when they're learning how to fly, fly TIE fighters? Oh, yeah. So that's after they blow something up <laughs> and there's more Akbar. And Akbar, yeah, gives them the mission. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, he tells Ricky One he gets the mission. Yeah, I don't, and then, yeah, I don't know what the TIE fighter helmets are. It looks like in Weird Science when they wear the bras on their heads. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> But if you made a, if the Imperials made that as a helmet, yeah, I don't know. I guess they're TIE fighter training helmets. Due to the importance of this mission, I'm training you myself. Stay alert. I copy. Be just like back home. I'm getting cocky on you, kid. You're doing okay, but you're not in a fancy X-wing fighter anymore. These are standard class Imperial TIE fighters, and there's a reason why we haven't captured too many of these intact. They don't have shields, but they can't take much abuse. You're gonna make it through, okay? Next thing you know, Rookie One, he's on some planet that might be called Emdar, I think. Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was Emdar or Emdor. All of a sudden, 
he's on speeder bikes and he's um, talking to who may or may not be his girlfriend, Rue Merdine. Rue Merdine, I didn't expect to find the likes of you here. How'd you end up on Imdoc? After the Battle of Yavin, I was assigned here to monitor Imperial activity. I knew there was something fishy going on, but it was only recently that I got word of the Phantom Fighters. Now I think I can get his transportation on a cargo shuttle. speeder bike footage going on in there because you can't have a star wars game without a speeder bike level actually you can but you shouldn't it's got to be impossible if there's a speeder bike level i think the best thing with with uh what was her name rue rue merdine rue merdine not to not no relation to general merdine no yeah i had no inkling that there was any sort of relationship between the two of them until the very last scene (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that we'll talk about later. <laughs> but, you know, in a way, I was like, when I was watching this, I was like, man, this is so Star Wars. Because they could be in love with each other. There's zero romance here at all. And in a way, that's very Star Wars. Yeah, it's all business. <laughs> until it's not. Well, and I think for a little bit, too, I thought maybe it was. Because that was actually one thing. It's pretty cool with Rebel Assault 1, even though it came out in 93. Rookie 1 could be male or female in that game. And they gave you the option, which, you know, it's kind of a big thing these days to like trying to be more inclusive with games. But they had that in 93. But then for 90 and 95, when this one came out, I'm guessing just because it was live action footage now, they just picked rookie one as being a male. So for a second, I was like, oh, maybe that's supposed to be like if you were female rookie one, here she is showing up. How do we get past those guards? Just leave that to me. How long do you think before those guards come to? They'll be out for at least a few hours. They, like, steal an Imperial shuttle, because you have to do that in Star Wars. They sneak onto, like, a cloaked Star Destroyer. Was I getting that right? Yeah, it's a cloaked version of Vader's Super Star Destroyer, I think. But <laughs> I figured you were you were pumped at that part because it was more shuttle Tidarium action. It really was, and I was really into that. I was Again, but then at this point, I was just like... Maybe it's for the best that I didn't know that this game was out for PlayStation 1 because I don't think I could have handled that in 95. <laughs> Keep playing that level over and over again. Yeah. it's As soon as I saw the shuttle Tidarium, I might have jumped out a window. But then I was also I was like, man, when this game came out, like Star Trek was the hot ticket. And Star Trek ships are always cloaking and decloaking all over the place. And I was like, man, maybe somebody was watching a little bit too much Deep Space Nine around this time. Yeah, they probably were. <laughs> The sand was burning my feet, and I stopped here to... Well, I guess the other cool thing, too, though, is this is our first on-screen Lady Stormtrooper. Even though she's a rebel in disguise, some milestones here. Forgotten Um, milestones. So when uh, the Force Awakens Visual Dictionary said that there were already always female stormtroopers, there really were. It was right there. In Rebel Salt 2. Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Shut up. Hold it! You two! What are you doing here? This is a restricted area. Where are your clearances? We've been ordered to search the area for uh, any intruders. I've heard no such orders. Under whose authority? Yeah, they're basically, there's just a lot of 
lot of shooting. <laughs> a lot of hallways, a lot of shooting. And then they, like, what, have to shoot a bridge down to uh, kill a bunch of stormtroopers and give them a path? Yeah. There's a lot of great lines of dialogue all around, all over the place. Very awkward. Extremely awkward line readings. The bridge is out. What do we do? And then every once in a while they cut to, to Vader yelling at his uh, Imperial officer guy. <laughs> then, yeah, Vader chokes out his Imperial goofball. We cannot control the damage, Lord Vader. The reactor core could go critical at any time. Disengage from space dock. We cannot, my lord. Docking controls are inoperative. Then I must leave here on my own. You have been for the last time. You will not have an opportunity to do so again. And then Vader, like, bails. He gets on, like, his TIE fighter, right? I think so. (laughs) Because the the heroes steal one of the TIE fighters and blow up the base, which the base could cloak, too. Remember that? Yeah, I was completely confused. So the ship could cloak, Vader's ship could cloak, the base could cloak. Oh, yeah. And then we see... We get to see the hologram, the like rainbow hallucination hologram of Palpatine (laughs) in his chair. The rebels have eliminated your invincible fleet. Yes, my master. The rebels have proven surprisingly clever, but we are not defeated. Which sometimes when I get up in the morning, I think I see that. (laughs) And I, I think that Palpatine was voiced by me. You've done well, Lord Vader. Yeah. yeah, you could have made a killing in the mid-90s as a voice actor. You just, too bad we weren't in San Francisco. I know. I'm, I'm still available. So they blow up the big base, right? They blow everything up, and then they, they get back to the rebel base, which is somewhere. I don't know where. And, then, and the five pilots of the Rebel Alliance come out. Some awesome Rebel Alliance guy in a cape comes out. (laughs) Well, kid, I didn't think you had it in you. Thank you, sir. Looks like the Alliance owes you a debt of gratitude. Without the advantage of their phantom fleet, the Empire will have to face us on equal ground. Once again, you've saved us all. You even face a little competition. I guess that entitles you to this. Yeah, who I don't think we've seen any time earlier, right? No. Because Admiral, he's basically, they didn't have any footage of Admiral Akbar to use, so they made the new commander guy. When I saw him, he reminded me, you know, like the end of Star Tours, when just those random rebel people come out and, hey, thanks for coming <laughs> back, rebel spy. You know, yeah. I think he was one of those guys. I got to tell you, this whole last scene to it, it, I really am convinced now that this is a huge influence for rebels it's got it because it's like the people standing around in b-wing helmets like that's rebels right they're always in b-wing helmets you know it's true so that's kanan comes out and shakes your hand (laughs) i also thought rebel man in a cape i almost expected him expected him to be like you lost today kid that doesn't mean you have to like it (laughs) he kind of looks like that guy yeah puts a fedora on rookie one And then, yeah, you get your little medal, and the guy behind them 
like where they cut to the guy behind you, like totally freaking out <laughs> and clapping. <laughs> and so. then they kiss, which really freaked me out because <laughs> I didn't expect them to start kissing. It's very Star Wars. Random strangers kissing on the lips. <laughs> that's that's how it because happens. that's that's like that's like way more romance going on than we got in any of the live action movies, right? <laughs> like that was that was more of a kiss than Han and Leia did. I think I want somebody to do the the kiss at the end of Rebel Assault Two, but play it uh, across the stars over it. <laughs> I think it totally fit. I assume they'll try to adapt its technology to our own fighters. And we blew up all their Phantom ships. Maybe Lucas saw this footage and he's like, that's it right there. That's next three movies. I truly deeply love this. <laughs> I like the way you handled the love story. A little thought balloon over his head. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah. Hmm, it gives me some ideas. Well, we can't forget the very end, too, where they're... They're basically taking their stormtrooper clothes off for whatever reason. I don't know what they're planning. And then, and then the, the the prize cloak ship just blows up. Yeah. I almost thought of that as like the like the post-credit scene. Yeah. Like what? I assume they'll try to adapt its technology to our own fighters. And we blew up all their Phantom ships, so. Right. So for a change, we might have the advantage over the Empire. The next time we go into battle... But it was funny because when I was watching it while they were, like, taking their clothes off, I was like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Why aren't there cloaking ships in Return of the Jedi? And then just when I thought that, poof. (laughs) (laughs) They they answered my question. This doesn't make sense to canon. How did they let this go? But that's how. (laughs) It blew up. No one gets the cloaking. Go out and watch uh, Rebel Assault 2, the... The forgotten Star Wars television program of the yes. 90s. Yeah. Well, and if you have a chance, you know, play through the game. I don't think it's a very long game, so yeah. it's a little bit more exciting that way. Maybe it'll make uh, more sense? I don't think so. Jedi Arena. Becoming a Jedi Master takes practice. Using your lightsaber, try to penetrate your opponent's defenses. But watch out, the Whirling Seeker can attack on its own. So follow your instincts. Ah, now you're ready to take on any challenger who dares to oppose you. Play the Jedi Arena home video game. Alone or head-to-head, the challenge awaits you. From Parker Brothers, the ones to beat. We have got some new iTunes reviews. Hey, let's hear them. Okay, so this first one is from Imperi Phil. And Imperi Phil writes, great podcast. This is a great podcast. Love the hosts and all the dialogue. Especially like all the add-ins and extras that enhance the podcast. Look forward to future episodes. All right. Cool. Thank you, Imperi Phil. This next one is from Bagel Boy 96. 
Makes me hungry. I know, right? Bagel Boy 96 uh, writes, found you guys randomly and haven't looked back since. The best podcast I've come across and I look forward to you guys every week. You have the best jokes and you say them with at the best times too. Here's a bad joke. Where do Jedis get tattoos? Tatooine. Here's one more. What do you say to scare Padme? Naboo. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Keep doing what you do best. So, oh, Thank you. Thank you, Bagel Boy. Yeah. We got another one here. This one is from Darth Silliness. Darth Silliness writes, makes Tuesdays relevant again. Blast Points does more for Tuesday than Ruby Tuesdays. That's, again, getting hungry. Yeah. Every week, it's like opening a Christmas gift about your favorite topic, Star Wars. The on-topic discussion is great. The off-topic discussion is great. And the clips, jokes, and sound effects are perfect. Thank you, Darth Silliness. Yeah. Ruby Tuesday, I think, has a little more melted cheese than we do. (laughs) We're working on that. Yeah, because I don't know, last time you were at Ruby Tuesday, but the last time I went, I think everything on the menu had melted cheese on it. So (laughs) we got got to step up a little bit. Thank you. 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 Hi, J.J. Abrams here. On behalf of the entire cast and crew of Star Wars Episode Seven, thank you. And thank you, everybody, for those, uh, those reviews. We've got a couple more that we'll be getting to in the next couple weeks. And, um, and yeah, you should leave us a review after you're done listening to this episode. Head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to Blast Points, leave a review, and we'll try to read it on an upcoming show. And these Blast Points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial Stormtroopers are so precise. And check out uh, BlastPointsPodcast.com, where we have the Darthfield comic recipes. You can see the latest episodes, buy T-shirts, and check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we like to hear from you guys. And there's a brand new link on BlastPointsPodcast.com where you can listen to the, the theme music that you, you, you made for the show. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, if, you, uh, if you're a fan of the theme song, you can download it or listen to it there. It's right by the t-shirts. Yeah, you can play it at the club. You can you have a date over. Yeah. Floating some fruit around. <laughs> crank the Blast Points theme. Instant romance. But that about wraps up episode number 80. We'll be back next week. I think with this, an extra special surprise. Yeah, potentially. a tribute, a birthday tribute to one of our favorite people. But I don't want to give away too much. But you'll you want to tune in next week for that one. So, yeah, that about wraps it up here. Thanks for listening, folks. Yeah, thanks. Talk to you soon. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you.
19. This is Rascal 1. Check in. Rascal 2, standing by. Rascal 3, standing by. He's my number one dad. Mina Force, be with all of you. 